Okay, so today, I'm just going to start with a couple of things that have been on my mind and that I've been dealing with. And you will hear background noise because I'm an actual person in an actual house. <laughs> um, I don't have a personal studio set up or anything like that. Um, and you're hearing this from my AirPods and my phone. Um, if you hear dogs barking, just ignore it. <laughs> So today, um, let's talk about self-reflection. So a lot of my friends, my family, people who've known me for a long time have seen a little bit of what self-destruction looks like. And I think there are a lot of people out there who don't realize this, but need to know it. Um, when you're being self-destructive, destructions are okay. We just need to start this podcast over because I, I can't fucking talk. Um, when you're talking about self-destruction, we're not talking about necessarily drugs or alcohol or any of those things because in that case, it doesn't apply to me. Now, that could be your own self-destruction. But mine started a long time ago, and it was always about my mother. It's a hard topic to talk about. Um, my mother and I had a very odd relationship. I still love her to this day. Rest in peace. Um, got no malice, no anger, no nothing. Um, but a friend of mine pointed out that one of the biggest things that I have an issue with is I seek validation from other people because I never got it as a child. Which makes a lot of sense if you think about it because, you know, being adopted, well, being taken on by my grandparents at a young age and not understanding, you know, why my mom or dad didn't want me and then I have to live with that decision it's a heavy thing for a kid to have to go through and I know a lot of you have been through much worse and I probably sound like a whiny bitch but I'm not <laughs> um, not trying to be anyway um, one of the things that really made me realize how self-destructive I was was after my mother did die um, unknown cause, they ruled it as, um, hypoxia, which is, um, basically brain death. Um, but I, I'll never know. Um, so with this destructive behavior, it all started with me just wanting her to validate me, to be proud of me. And it was never like that. Um, and I know we all struggle with validation. Everybody wants to be validated. We all want to feel loved. We all want to have friends. We all want to have someone we can lean on when, when things get rough. But I've also found through that that the people that you surround yourself with may not necessarily be the people you should be around. They may be further enabling your self-destruction. 
whether it be alcohol, impulsive decisions, doing, you know, being a negative impact on somebody's life. I mean, you really got to look at yourself and go, am, am I the toxic person? Um, and we're not going to fast forward to today because that's just another story in itself. And I don't have the energy for that kind of a podcast. Not today. Um, so self-destruction. The funny thing about self-destruction is you don't even realize you're doing it. Um, or you're very self-aware, you realize it, and you do it anyway. Um, I am the latter. I realize that I self-destruct. And yet I continue this circle, this pattern, this continual bullshit for lack of a better word to try and deal with something that I didn't deal with when I was younger and looking back on it you know I have great great grandparents um, you know they did raise me um, didn't have to always be thankful for that but in the same token of that they are also very non-emotional people so with emotions and me being a very emotional person and feeling things as I do because I am very self-aware I'm very caring and it is sometimes my biggest fault so in in my household I was raised with you know a military man my grandfather was a member of the Air Force and my grandmother worked at the VA. Very strict household, very disciplined, um, very Christian based. And that one's going to piss a lot of people off because that one is the ultimate just no. I get it, guys. Believe what you want. It's just not, doesn't, doesn't add up for me. And that's to each their own. Believe in what you want to believe in. Um, I'm not going to criticize for you, you for it or judge you. That's just not it. Um, but in this strict household, there was no room for emotions. There was no room for depression. There was no room for self-reflection. There was no room for, hey, are you okay? It was more so fight through it and push it down and I think I pushed it down for so long that when my mother did finally pass I broke and when I did that that's when that cycle started truly started I mean I married my best friend from high school I wasn't even attracted to him that sounds horrible, but in my mind, I had never seen what love truly looked like because the dynamic of my grandparents was so off. And that would be a truck hitting all the limbs in front of my apartment building. All right. Back on topic. Oh, yes. So, not knowing what love looks like, 
you can be very easily deceived by the comfort of someone else. Let's just say my first husband. I'm not going to name names. That's just stupid and childish, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, but my first husband was, was one of my best friends in high school. He was just always there for me. Somebody was treating me like shit, he picked me back up. I laughed with him, cried with him. Um, you know, we got married before my mom died. Um, and after that, it was just the dynamic of the relationship changed because he, as well as I, had been brought up that emotions were not okay and I could not, not handle these emotions. They were coming to the surface whether I wanted them to or not. Um, so, you know, that ended. I had already had a child at 18 um, who I was raising by myself with the help of one of my best friends. Um, so, you know, we, we, we had already had our, our son at this point. And it just got to the point where I could not function. So many, so many chaotic things happened. And I tried to be a good mom. I tried to be a good wife. And it just ended up in wreckage. That being said, um, you know, he did adopt my daughter. And then kind of dropped her. So, you know, I've been playing father to this child as well as mother. Um, and I don't know how to put this. It doesn't sound like because I feel like a good dad's a good dad. That's great. If you want to be involved in your child's life, great. But don't make excuses and push yourself out of the child's life just because you don't want that responsibility. Like, that's, that's just, that's my view on it. And I think everybody knows my view on those kind of things. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, my son lives with his dad and his dad's wife and that's his mom. And that's, that's just how things went down. Um, he moved on with his life and pushed me out of my son's. Um, so it doesn't just happen to men. It happens to women, too. And I think the, the thing that really got me was I was going through something monumental and that was literally the ammunition that someone used you don't use somebody when their mental health is not good don't use that as a excuse you wouldn't walk into a courtroom and say look uh, the mother of my child has diabetes um, I don't think she should she should have access to him What kind of judge would say that, you know? Oh yeah, ruled. Signed, sealed, delivered. Get that kid out of there, she's got diabetes. She's not able, which was not the case. 
Um, but moving forward from that, I became even more self-destructive and found myself with jumping into another relationship with a person that I had known for many, many years. And, you know, he pretended like he got it, like the, the mental illness part of it, panic attacks, the, the, the trauma. But in the end, and I mean, this was over the span of oh, three years, maybe. So we're talking 2012 is when this started. And um, by 2013, we had already had my um, my daughter and the anger that came from this person was just astronomical. And like I said, I'm not saying names because I'm not here to, you know, tear anybody down. I'm just stating it as I saw it and as I perceived the relationship. Um, you know, when you punch a hole through a wall over something minute, you might have problems with anger. You might need to look into that. But instead of looking into that, his coping mechanism was to sleep with other people. And I tolerated that because, once again, I didn't know what love was. I'm not victimizing myself. I mean, there, there were plenty of times when I knew this was a toxic situation. And I became a toxic person in that situation because instead of, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a yeller or, a, you know, a violent person by any means, but it came to a point where it was just like the kind of relationship that you would see on a Jerry Springer episode. And it was just like, I finally saw my worth, got out, got, actually not got out, got him out, excuse me. And then of course there was someone uh, there to catch me who happened to be my boss at the time, which sounds awful. But, I mean, I was working two jobs because I was the only one that held up the house. I paid the bills. I cleaned the house. I did everything right as far as that goes. Emotionally, between the two of us, it was me constantly wanting that attention and that validation and him not feeling the need to give it to me or to give it to me in small doses, which is what we like to call gaslighting. Give you just enough to make you want to come back for more. And I did. I went back many times. Um, and I didn't learn until, you know, it was the point of no return. And I'm not going to say what, what happened to to produce that effect, but, you know, walking in and, and seeing it with your own eyes, you, you just, you figure it out. You're like, hey, my gut was right all along, but it's 
stupid heart just didn't listen. Um, and I think that's where we disconnect. We find ourselves lusting whenever it's not really love, it's lust. So there's that too. And that brings us into the whole, my boss became my fiance part. So at this point in my life, he was a stable man. He was older, had his life together, and was ready and willing to take on my, my children. I mean, in the past, in the baggage, he, he dealt with those things, and I commend him for that. But what I don't commend was the fact that in the end, and this is coming from, you know, my grandmother who doesn't talk about emotions. This was, this was her wording. Um, you know, he just used you so he could have uh, a baby. And that's legitimately what happened. Um, out of the blue one day, you know, he started to get very religious. And as most of you know, I'm not. It's not my forte. It's not my cup of tea. It's just not, not something that I've ever been very focused on as far as that goes. So it came to the point where he was like, we shouldn't even be sleeping in the same bed because we're not married. Number one, at this point, we've already had a child together, and we're engaged, and I almost died giving birth to this child, but we can't sleep in the same bed because it's wrong in God's eyes, correct? Okay, so let's move forward. One day... After we've been sleeping in the same bed, he decides that we're not going to sleep in the same bed anymore. So, I'm like, this is getting out of control. And his mother was very overbearing. He was an only child, by the way, just in case anybody was wondering. Um, and a silver spoon at that. Like, one of those people that never had to try. And, yes, I'm peeing, and I don't care. <laughs> um... His mother became a very big problem between us because, you know, the, the term gold digger was slung around a lot. Um, she's using you for your money, even though, you know, I kept working. Y'all ready for the toilet flush? There it is. She went pee, guys. So, all right, I just walked in on some... Cats and dogs fight. And, okay, we're just going to walk away from that because I don't have that kind of energy right now. So, his mom became a big problem. His grandmother also became a big problem. Let it be known that she also handed him the business that he owns. Um, so, his mom comes over one day and at that part that point I was really protective over who came around because 
you know, my son was in the NICU. I didn't want the germs around her. I, around him, I didn't want, you know, just those those little things. And she just never respected the boundaries. It was come o- coming over without, you know, no notification. Um, granted, she lived in, in South Carolina and would drive up with no warning. So... It came to a point where the day before, I think all of this happened, she started screaming and yelling at me about how um, disrespectful I was to her, which I I never was. I did ask her to call before she came by. Um, So she started screaming at me and my grandmother just happened to be in town. And this is one time that I can say that my grandmother stood up for me. So, basically, we had two dogs, Roxy and Rooster, um, and she, she would pay more attention to those dogs when she was there. She would come, say, hey, the baby, and I'm not naming my children's names either because that's none of your fucking business either, so, um, but in, you know, the spirit of being transparent, you know, she would come over there to see her grandson and, uh, you know, my girls, and she wouldn't say she loved her own grandson. She would talk to the dogs and tell them that she loved them and call me a monster for crating them whenever he was on the floor doing tummy time, like those type of little things. And so she starts screaming at me one day about how I'm a bad mother. I do this. I do that. I just, just things that were untrue. And she picked the wrong day because my grandmother was in town. And this was, um, granted, you don't know my grandparents. You don't know me. But I'm originally from the Asheville area. But when I was a young child... I was adopted by my grandparents who lived in Salisbury, so I grew up my whole life in Salisbury, went to Easter Land. So, um, at that point, they were in the process of moving from Salisbury back to my hometown. They had just bought a house and were literally moving, and so she had been back and forth in town. So she comes home, or I say home, she comes to the house. And, you know, his mother literally got in my grandmother's face and I had to get in between them so she wouldn't physically assault her. Like, it it came to that level of disrespect. And then the next morning, like, we slept in the same bed. Jeremy just stood, oh, I slipped and said a name. My bad. We'll just scratch that one. Um... So he just stood back and kind of watched this happen. He didn't defend it, anybody. He didn't defend, you know, his fiance. Um, so the next morning, you know, we just don't really talk. We could go about our day, take care of the kids and put them to bed. And the next day he wakes up and he's like, I'm done. Get your stuff and get out. Okay. So just like that. Here comes the self-destruction again. Because I didn't know what love was. 
thought that this situation was okay when it turns out that it wasn't. It was very much not love and it was very much lust that faded very quickly. Um, and I don't know, I know that he's happy and married, good for him. Um, like I said, no malice, no anger towards any of these people. Um, just a self-reflection of how I got myself in these situations with these people who weren't intending to love me. Um, so that brings us to my full year of being single. Uh, I don't know how to describe that year. It was very chaotic. Um, a lot of back and forth with my grandparents, um, who I actually moved home to and lived with, which I don't know how I did that either, looking back at it. Um, but you know, there was always that um, that Christian mindset, that that military mindset. We're not we're not going to talk about it, but here you go. Let's 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 just uh, let's just start over and see where it goes from here. And then comes the little redheaded man. That's what I'm gonna call him. This little, this little person, little person, I will say little person. You know, he had been married before, had a, had, had a child, actually taught the child. Um, hey, I was a teacher once. Um, you know, he did the polite things. He opened doors for me. And, well, I don't know if it was really polite things. It was just kind of trying to woo me. And, you know, he would drive all the way from Huntersville to Asheville area just to see me, to take me on a date. So I was like, this guy's really putting in the effort. So I waited a while. I moved back into Concord. And, um, that lasted another six months, and then we were moved in together and married by that time. Um, and that one, that marriage was pretty short. Um, yeah, he smacked me in the face. I'm over it. But I realized then, like, you know, like, even little things, like, you know, we had four kids in the house at every, any given moment. I was working, and he was working from home. So there was always just that chaotic energy of we're on autopilot all the time. So whenever I got time to myself, such as children with their fathers, or in his case, with the mother. Um, it was just like, you know, it's drink 30 and I'm like, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not okay with that. You know, my mother was an alcoholic. 
Now, granted, I'm not going to say that I haven't drank before or that I haven't been drunk. Um, I think every child, not child, teenager or, you know, my view on drinking is it's become a very normal thing to do socially, but people are taking it as an excuse to abuse a legal drug. Um, and you know, that's a tough, tough thing to hear. And it ties into the whole ending of this podcast for today. Um, the long story short, there was alcohol involved, not on my part. Um, but it got physical and that was the end of that. Uh, you know, then I had anger. Um, but then I also had a great support system. I had three very close friends and unfortunately one of them is not here with us today anymore. And he was so much more than a friend. Um, friend isn't a good enough word to describe the heart on that person. Um, and I surround myself with males because I was, I was raised around males. My next door neighbors were all three boys. Um, I'm a tomboy because you got to be tough when you play around with boys when you're a kid. Um, so I just, at this point, I'm like raging anger, smashing, smashing photos, you know, the whole... I have done this so many times. What is going on? What is wrong with me? And at the time, I didn't realize it's the self-destruction again. Like, I allowed someone into my life that I thought genuinely cared, but I didn't take the time to really look at that person and say, hey, are you truly a good person? Or are you toxic? Or is it just the two of us together that's toxic? Because you can have two really good people who don't, who just don't mesh well together and then it becomes a toxic situation. Now granted, none of the kids were there whenever this event happened, so nobody knew. Um, so that was the abrupt, very abrupt end to that. That was a um, very short relationship. And so then I moved to Belmont. I wanted to get out of the Concord area. I had been in Kannapolis Concord area since I was 18 and I was ready to get out. I wanted to be a little bit closer to my grandparents. At this point they're in Asheville. Um, and I'm living life. I've got a job, I'm doing fine. And then we all know about this beautiful app called Tinder. If you haven't been on it, congratulations, you haven't been scarred from it. If you have been on it, you know this is not going to go well. But here comes the roller coaster. So I've been playing around a little bit, just not really looking for a relationship, not really wanting it. 
just doing my own thing, being me. And, you know, I meet with this guy. Sorry for the background noise, but it's too pretty to be inside right now. Plus, my dogs are losing their minds. Um, so this, this, this guy hits me up and he's like, you know, he makes it seem like he's not like other guys. Like, I just want to know you. I don't want it for the sex. I don't want it for the, and you know, that, that, that platform is notoriously known for people who just want to have fun. It's not really a dating app anymore. It's just a hookup app. Let's be honest. And good God, could there be any more trucks that come through today? So, I got to know this human being before I ever met him. And this is the last in a long line. And these are just, these are just um, the engagements or marriages. There's some in between that we just aren't going to talk about because they're irrelevant, but just not worth my energy. Okay. So, back to it. So, I finally agreed to meet this dude. Had a beautiful time together. Beautiful soul. And just hit it off and it was like you know I mean the lust was there the, the, the love aspect yeah I'll say I loved I loved him um, but not truly I mean for someone who doesn't know what love is I guess that's as close as I can get to it um, there was a previous relationship in between those. It was very short-lived, but it was probably the closest thing I've ever come to having love in my life. Um, and I fucked that up. So, it was intense for me, and I was like, no, nah, fuck this, I'm out. I'm going to let everybody else in but you. Uh, because, you know, self-destruction. That's what the topic of the day is. Um, so I met this guy. We're going back to almost current day now. At this point, we move in together. Not even four months in, he proposes to me. We'll get married the next year. Everything's all fine and dandy, except for one thing. The incredible amount of alcohol in this man's life. I watched it slowly come from a casual thing to a everyday thing to a all-the-time thing. And now I'm rolling back to my past. Let's look at this. My mother was the same way. So I clung to this relationship like it was, I was, I was leached to this relationship. 
because I wanted so badly to see the other person. I wanted to, to make him better. And I got promises and promises and promises. And none of those promises were ever real. The reality of the situation was he didn't want to get better. And, you know, there was the physical side of it where, you know. And this uh, disclaimer, my children were not present for this, so let's, let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. Um, I have had the, the impeccable pleasure of none of my kids witnessing any of this. Um, So, you know, he would just get too into himself. I mean, we're talking. It got to the point where we, the cops were getting called by me for domestic disputes. And it just became like we were that, that couple. That couple, the, the cops were like, all right, you guys realize that this isn't working. And even the cops telling me that, it was just like, I was so blinded by wanting to help and with the with the hope that the future would bring better things that I just let it go. Um, I let it go on for way too long. So it became a point of where I learned to adapt to it. I let it happen. Um, and I just ignored it. Um, every time I addressed it, it was a fight. No, no matter what I did, it was not enough. And I would be told that daily. Um, usually around 5, 6 o'clock. That was about the time he got off work, and it was straight, straight to the bottle after that. And granted, we worked at the same place, so these whole, this whole situation is... going unnoticed by our employer. Um, I did leave at one point. I got my own apartment, thought I'd wisened up, and he promised it, it was gonna get better. I mean, it took him falling flat on his face, knocking out his two front teeth, and having to have fake teeth put in. And even then, he didn't realize he had a problem. So in the following months, let's say this has been about six months, now seven months in. We're starting to go back to where we were before. But at this point, I'm not taking it anymore. I start standing up for myself, it makes me mad. You know, and the last straw for me was whenever he yelled at my daughter for talking to a friend on Minecraft. Yep, that was the breaking point. And I'm taking my dog out. So if you hear this background, that's why. Um, and that was my own self-destruction. I went right back to it thinking, yes, I can save this person. This person is savable. This person is, you know, broken. And I'm, I've been broken. So I understand. 
Now, granted, I never really coped with drugs or alcohol. Um, you know, that's a whole different topic. You know, I'm not going to say that, uh, you know, I, I'm perfect by any means, but I can say without a doubt that I, I, I don't. I just don't have that. I guess the trauma from losing someone to that just is not, it's not an okay thing for me. So, present day, the day after that happened, my daughter dropped her off with her grandparents because I kind of figured this was about to go south, like very quickly. Um, so, day after this we have this conversation and he's like I'm, I think I'm going to go get help of course I encouraged it I didn't think he was actually going to do it by any means and I'm proud of him for doing that don't discredit the you know I'm not discrediting someone getting help what I'm what I am saying is that I let it go on for too long and I know even now with the emotional baggage, the physical aspect of it, every aspect of it at this point, it's just a toxic environment for me. So this is where I'm at right now. This brings you to present day. So we have this conversation. I go drop him off and I come home and I realize that I haven't shed a tear. I haven't cried. Like, I felt nothing. I wasn't sad or lonely or any of those things. I felt free. And it was then when I really realized this destructive pattern has been going on for so long that I've become accustomed to it. And I let it control my own life. So, this isn't like a, me being on a soapbox or trying to tell anyone what to do with their lives because I have no room to say a word and I won't. Um, but when you realize that, that's whenever everything really clicks and you're like, okay, wait a minute. All these decisions, hey, sorry. All these decisions have led up to where I am right now. And where I am right now is not a great place. But I'm not going to let that affect me in the future. I'm not going to say that there's no one that's worthy of my love. Because it's not true. There are still people that exist that are good people. I've met them. I've come into contact with them. Um, but they're very few and far between. I mean, most people just want sex and, oh, I don't want to put a label on it because, you know, let's not, let's not do that. Because you don't want to be committed. And, I mean, if you could tell me, that, you tell me that up front, that's fine. That's great. But don't come into my life if you don't have intention of staying. Like... That's, that's what I want to leave you with, really, is, is, you know, 
Don't feel sorry for me. I don't feel sorry for me. I actually am very glad that, you know, I took, I took these steps because it helped me become who I am today. More self-aware, more guarded, not so easily fooled by those things that look so nice and appealing. It's basically like, um, God, you, I'm trying to think of a good metaphor for it. Think of, you know, your favorite thing. For me, that would be like validation. I'm a crowd pleaser. But I also like to say what I want to say. And I will not. If you hear that, that's my aspirin that I take every day. But I'm also not going to be fooled by anyone who who says, oh yeah, I'm a good guy with good intentions, or girl, for that matter, because, you know, I have recently, you know, accepted that I like both, which is another issue that I've had to come to terms with during all of this. But to just be free and be able to talk about these things is something that everybody needs. And, you know, people look at psychologists and psychiatrists and say, well, this is not going to help. It may not, but talk to somebody. Choose a close friend. Choose somebody you trust. And if you don't have somebody you can trust, you can talk to me. I've been there. I've lived it. Um, so this isn't so much, and that's not what this podcast is going to be all about. Um, it's just today. It's where I'm at today. Um, but I feel like we're, we're, we're quieted. Um, as some of you know, my job has now put me on a search leave unpaid. So I get to deal with that too because of tenure. Even though, you know. And I would say I'm a little salty about that because my work ethic versus his has been tremendously better. But policies. We got policies. So, that's, that's a whole other story for another day. But yeah, so self-destruction can lead you to become a person you don't know. So I'm rediscovering myself. Yeah, I'm going to wear whatever I want to wear. Yeah, I'm going to love whoever I love. Yeah, I'm going to be friends with whoever I want to be friends with. But if you're not deserving of my company and you only talk to me when it's convenient for you, that is not a friend. That is, I don't even know what you would put that as. You would, that would be more of a, you're an option. 
You have become someone's option when they're bored or they have nothing better to do. And I can only say there's about two people in my life. There is. There's only two people in my life at this point that I can say without a doubt that I am not an option. And I've lost a lot along the way. I've lost a lot of friends or people that I thought were my friends. Or I've physically lost them, meaning they, they've, they're gone. They're not with us anymore. It's funny to realize that the person that's gone could have been the person that you could have really have loved for the rest of your life and it would have been good but you never acted on it because I was so self-focused at that point and so against receiving that kind of love so that brings me where I am today um, a lot of self-reflection a whole lot of cleaning I did wash my car today inside and out so she beaming and apparently I've got letters in the mail from the current situation addressed to me that are supposed to come today. So we'll, we'll see what comes of, of that. Um, you know, I've gotten a lot of apology voicemails from him saying, you know, he wishes he could go back and change things. Yeah, I think we all do. We all wish we could go back and change something. There is something in your life you wish you could go back and change. But you can't live in that mindset because you, you can't change the past. And then at this point, you know, my grandparents are, well, this is just a cycle that never ends. And it's like, no, this is me realizing that I'm worth more than this. I'm worth more than... all of these things that people use to define me. Yeah, I took pictures, I had a photographer, I modeled. Yep, I did. Not ashamed of it one bit. Did I do porn? No. If I did, I didn't get paid for it. <laughs> so, um, whoever's out there, uh, you owe me a check. And I don't remember being present for it, so I'm confused. I swear, one more fucking truck comes down this road. But yeah, so to wrap up this extremely long podcast where I've been basically just sitting here reflecting and kind of giving you a timeline of... how self-destruction has really kind of become something that I didn't realize I was doing and now realize it and I want other people to become aware of it as well. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're, you're great. Maybe, but if you're excusing someone else's actions, if you're taking the blame for what someone else is doing, you're probably in the same boat that I was. 
But at this point, I won't settle for anything less than what I'm worth. And I don't, I'm not saying that I won't ever love again. I am saying that I probably won't ever get married again because it's a piece of paper. We can love somebody and not be married to them. We had this whole idea that revolves around marriage. Um, and the reality of it is it's very easily done. Very easy to get married. It's really hard, especially in North Carolina, to get a divorce. And that's where I'm at at this point. I don't want to be so attached to someone that my name is attached to them for 12, like, or their name, excuse me. That last name is attached to me for 12 months. Um, so do your, do your research before you decide to take that plunge. Because I can tell you. It doesn't, it doesn't always work out. It's not sunshines and, and daisies and, and things of that nature. But yeah, at this point, I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to be me, unapologetically. And this is where I'm at right now. Waiting to hear on the application status of a banging ass house that I applied for. My, my car's clean. My dogs are fed. My cats are fed. My house is clean. Following up on some job leads. Um, so, yeah. Self-destruction can get you to this point where you're sitting here going, what the fuck do I do now? But the thing is, you can sit and cry about it, which I, I, I did. I took, I, took, I, took, I took more than a couple of days to just avoid it because I knew it was painful and I didn't want to, I didn't want to, Deal with it. Who wants to deal with pain? Pain is not fun. There are, there are stages of grief for a reason, and it's not necessarily when you lose somebody. It's when, I mean, you realize that you've invested so much time and effort into a person that's not willing to do the same for you. And that's, that's, that about sums up self-destruction in itself. Or you don't value your worth. So ladies, gentlemen, both, whatever you identify as, just, just take your time, discover yourself let you be yourself. Don't let anybody change that about you. Don't conform because I found myself so many times conforming to what the other person wanted. And I will not do that again. You don't like me with makeup on? Fine. That's great. I'm still going to wear it. 
You don't like the way I dress? Sorry, bud. Not happening. You don't like the fact that I like both? That's your problem, not mine. And that was another question that was always a big deal in my last relationship. You, you're, you're so into pride. You're so into, um, you know, supporting that, that aspect of your life. And he's like, but you're not even gay. And I'm like, but you realize that I would just as easily love a woman who had a good heart as I would a man who had a good heart. Yeah, the sexual part of it is different. 